Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up, making things happen. I'm Dennis Hensley, and I love talking to creative people about what they do and how they do it and not go crazy. Uh, today, my guest is Kenneth Walsh. He's the man behind the popular blog, Kenneth in the 212, and he's also written a book called Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful? But before we get to Kenneth, I want to get a plug-in for one of my past podcast guests. Uh, Sam Harris is doing a show called Ham at the Renberg Theater here in L.A. And if you're here, it's running for a few more weeks. I saw it the other night, and it is really terrific. Do yourself a favor and take a bite of ham. See what I did? Oh, that was cute. All right, I also want to mention my website, DennisAnyone.net. You can go there and find pictures that go with some of the podcasts. All the podcasts are up there. You can also donate to my virtual tip jar, and it helps me pay for things like web hosting and the website and stuff like that. Um, What else? Follow me on Twitter, at Hensley Dennis. Like the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. And if you really like what you hear, I hope you subscribe. And if you want to write an iTunes review, that's always lovely, too. Uh, Lots of ways you can um, sort of show your support for the podcast. I appreciate it. All right. And here, without any further ado, Kenneth Walsh. All right. I am here in Hollywood with a visitor from New York, Kenneth Walsh, the man behind the blog, Kenneth in the 212. Welcome to L.A. Thank you, Even Dennis. though you're about to leave tomorrow. I'm leaving. That's cool, though. Been here all week, though. You've been here all week, and you've been out of the cold. What do you th- When you come to L.A., because your blog is very New York, you're very New York, you've written a lot about New York, what do you think about L.A. when you come here? Do you like it? I've always loved it, and growing up with like Woody Allen movies and stuff, I've always been led to believe that you had to decide between the East and West Coast. And then once I got old enough to go to both, I thought... Why would you have to choose? They're both totally fun, and I, I love everything about it. I especially love how ridiculous L.A. is, especially Hollywood. What's the most ridiculous thing? Let me tell you what I'm obsessed yeah. with at the moment. Tell me. The way that all those sort of housewife people look the same. <laughs> they all look the same. It's really weird. Um, I was in an environment recently where there were two of them, and they were like their own species of alien. Well, so, you know what I realized? It's not just housewives, but it's women. Right. That, yeah. Because I was watching this very serious documentary about Glenn Campbell. I don't know if you saw it on Netflix. Yes, I'm still here. I'm yeah. Not here. And, um, yeah. I'm not here, damn it. Yeah. I can't remember shit. I forget. <laughs> yeah. It's something about Alzheimer's. Exactly. So, it's, yeah. so it makes sense that we wouldn't remember what it's called. Okay. Um, but he has the trophy wife who had been right. a Rockette back in the day. Right. And she looks like a housewife because right. it's that... You know, it's just it's the, really it's shiny, shiny. A lot. It's a lot. No, it's very off-putting. Well, it, and they're all, and it, it, it sort of homogenizes them. Right. It's, it's so interesting. You could just plug her out and put in, you know, any other one, except for Lisa Renna. Hmm. She's somehow making her own little <laughs> individuation. Well, she came thing into happening. it with her own thing. That's so true. She did. Really she count. really did. I know. But I love her. She's like, I'll be a housewife, anything. Just keep me out there. <laughs> Gotta get my face out there. Um, Definitely. So, you've been writing your blog for 11 years? 10 years? 10 years. Yeah, this is the 11th year. And does it, when you started it, did you have a, a mission? Did you, this is gonna be about whatever or what you were into? Or did you have like a, a mission statement or anything like that? It really was kind of a lark. I had, I'm a big tennis freak. The right. Australian Open is going on right now, so I was up all night because it's Aussie time. So right. if I look like hell, your uh, listeners can't see that. They, they, you look fine. Okay. Um, but I just come home from this exciting match at the U.S. Open, and I wanted to tell all my tennis friends about it. But 
rather than doing like a group email, I'd been reading this blog, Toll Road by Andy Toll. Right. And I was like, that's kind of cool how you can put the photos and tell a little story and just right. kind of have it all in one place. So I, I thought I'd make this one post, send the URL URL out to my friends. Right. And, and Facebook never hadn't happened yet. No. And I wasn't really, you know, a friendster, you didn't really share things on there yeah. the way you do now with the yeah. other ones. So I just did it, figured it'd be a one-off thing, and then I did a couple more. And within a month, I had gotten picked up by Toll Road and Queer Tea for some post I did. Um, Madonna's Confessions on a Dance Floor had just come out, and I, I couldn't get over how she looked exactly like Valerie Cherish. Yes. And I did a side-by-side photo, just right. a funny little thing. And it went viral. I heard Lisa Kudrow saw it and loved it. Right. And... You know, once you get traffic, then you're like, I want to give them more. Right. Uh, otherwise, I probably would have just stopped. Like, every most blogs die after one a few. post. But, the, but that, the Madonna, Valerie yeah. Cherish thing was the, the thing that kind of took it to the next level. Was it called Kenneth and the 212 from the start? It was called Kenneth and the 212. It yeah. used one of those templates that um, Blogger had back then. Right. So it was like... Um, this orange with blue background and these little dots, like, you know, very old school blog, early days of blogging. But the cool thing about a blog is you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And boy, have I. And you've worked in, in, in newspapers and, and in, in publishing and, and the freedom of blogging, was that a nice break from your day job? It was because I had gone to journalism school and most people who go to journalism school think they're going to be a reporter. Right. But... Quickly, I learned that that wasn't for me. I was covering the Scottsdale Town Council. No, Paradise Valley Town Council. Right. And it was boring, and you had to go up to people you didn't know. And I I realized that wasn't for me, but I was already kind of too into the program to back out. Right. And my brother was a big shot uh, copy editor, as much as you can be a big shot copy editor. Right. Um, But then I realized I could make a living doing that, and then the blogging was a way to have the fun side, where I was in control of what picture and everything. So that was... That's kind of why it works so well. They really complemented each other. So what exactly does a copy editor do? Well, I work at the Wall Street Journal now. Okay. And you I worked, worked at the Grey Lady for a while. I worked with for the Grey Lady. For the Grey, the New York Times. Was, I like to call it the yeah, Grey Lady. I know. Lady. You two go back. I know. Um, I, I don't know. It's just so, <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a great gig. Were you I did, there the day somebody tried to cr- climb up the outside of the building? I was not. That yeah. actually... I was working there, yeah. but I wasn't there that day. Yeah. I was there when the Jason Blair scandal broke. Oh, and that's exciting. all the paparazzi exciting. were outside. And that's it was exciting. Yeah, yeah. So all hell, that was right when I started in 2003. Did you ever meet any of the columnists, like the Maureen Dowds and the... Um, the Paul Krugmans and... Uh, um, occasionally you would David see them Brooks in the cafeteria. I didn't work directly with any of them. Maureen actually lives in um, John Kennedy's old townhouse in Georgetown. She works okay. out of Washington. Okay. Um, the biggest day at the Times was Robert Redford was in the cafeteria with, was it Frank, not Bruni, the other one. Um, I can't even remember. But word got out, so everybody suddenly was going to the cafeteria. Yeah, everyone just mysteriously, oh, walking by. And yeah. It was, it was very exciting. All right. Uh, Frank Rich. Frank Sorry. Rich, of course. Yeah, I'm having a... That's Okay. That Alzheimer's movie. They're just yeah. having a, a little chat. Yeah, so you're going to tell exciting. me what a copy editor does. Yeah. Um, we get stories from bureaus around the world. I work on the breaking news desk, so everything's really super fresh and, and fresh. And the copy editor reads through it. Besides spelling, grammar, punctuation, and style, every paper has its own style. So right. if, if words are spelled a certain way, if they have multiple spellings. And, and New York Times is very Mr. Kenneth. Yeah, Mr. they Walsh. use yeah. all the honorifics. Right. Um, 
But in addition to all that, you're looking for any sort of holes in the story, or maybe they forgot to put the first person, the uh, first reference to a person's name, right? Because it got dropped in an edit, so by another editor. You're also writing the headline, which is very important, especially with the World Wide Web, because it has to be very SEO friendly. Yeah. Yet you want to be clever. SEO friendly. Uh, search engine optimization. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so you're writing that. My desk, we actually are choosing the art that's going on, um, WSJ.com. So there's a lot of moving parts. It all should be done in less than 10 seconds, and then when everything isn't done correctly, um, then it's your fault. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) So you get to make up the headlines. Yeah, we write all the headlines. That's a big deal. The captions, the decks, like the subheads on the thing. Um, Yeah, it's, it's... And you have to... If there's anything that could be legally dicey, you have to get the, um... Lawyers involved and there you have some final readers. Is it on. solitary, or do you feel like you you work with a team of people? You know, it's funny. I was just at the um, Wallace Annenberg Center because yes. a friend of mine got a job there, right? And I forgot what it's like to work in a normal office. She took me down this hall, and there was just this one woman sitting there by herself, and she was like like the office assistant, right? And Deborah was out, my friend, with me having lunch, and I'm like. Because I work in a newsroom, and right. it's loud, and there's people sitting, like, on top of each other. Right. And you definitely feel like you're part of a team, because if you can't think of the right verb, or you're like, does this make sense? And you're, you're, your friends yeah. are, like, literally your colleagues are Yeah, right you, there. Can, you can help each other out. Bounce you, it off. When you get breaking news in, do you ever read stories that are just like, holy shit, that just happened? Or... I mean, you kind of get immune to all the, sh- the mass shootings. Yes. Um, the violence by police officers, things right. that would have probably made me go crazy. I think we're kind of getting a little bit immune to it. Right. But it's going to be exciting. There you go. All right. So you also wrote a book. I did. And it came out in a year ago? A couple About years ago? a year ago? and a half ago. And it's called Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful? That's right. And what made you want to write the book? I, um, with the blog, I really didn't have a mission, but at some point I started to write little anecdotes about my family. Right. Um, you know, mostly I'm posting pictures of hot guys and tennis matches that I saw and movie reviews and right. just whatever is of interest to me. But I would write little anecdotes about my family, particularly my mother, who is Molly. a bit of a character, Molly. Yes. Um, and out of nowhere, I got an email from this guy and he said, hi, I've been reading your blog. Um, I think you're funny do you have a book in you? And I Googled his name and it turned out he worked at the agency that represented Stephen King and wow. he had discovered Augustin Burroughs, who at that time had just had dry he was the hottest shit. Right. Yeah, he had a really great run there. This, you know, yeah. big moment. So I was like, oh my God. So of course I lied and said, of course I do. You right. know, like I had this whole thing almost done. And I met him at the Bright Food Shop in Chelsea, this agent. Okay. And then very quickly, I think he could tell that I was, like, lying, you know. Like, he's like, well, tell me about it. Right. And I'm like, um, my mom's kind of funny. Yeah. And that was, like, about as far as it went. Um, but we became really good friends. And finally, a couple years later, when I got laid off by the Times and I actually had some time. Because the reason I didn't do it... Even though I did have ideas eventually, um, is I just was too busy with the yes, blog. it's a lot. I had a full-time relationship. I had my job at the New York Times. Right. So when I got laid off from that, it just seemed like the perfect opportunity to right. do it. Nice. And I did it. And you did it. So what was his reaction when you are like, I have it now? 
Well, what was great was, um, and here I am cracking myself up because nobody laughs harder at my jokes than me. (laughs) Um, I found the email from 2006, and this was like in 2012. I love that. And I hit reply, and I wrote, as a matter of fact, here it is. And I sent him the manuscript sort of without him knowing that. He didn't even know that you'd been working on it. No. I mean, he knew a little. Right. Because off and on over the years... I'd hinted at it because it was sort of the basis of our friendship. But right. at a certain point, I could tell you, was just kind of like, we don't have to pretend like you're writing yeah. a book anymore. And Nicole Smith died. Yeah. And we were talking about other things. That's more important. I, right. got, I remember getting a text from my friend Zachary when Anna Nicole yeah. died. This guy who was always very good about not having his phone. He was like, I got to take this. And he yeah. like, this agent. It was too much. It was so so did, he, did he sell it? And so he immediately it? Yeah. read it. He was extremely enthusiastic. And at that point, I wasn't sure if he was just being nice because we'd become such good friends. Yeah. But then when he remembered specific turns of phrase and anecdotes and told me how he had since married Augustine Burroughs, which was a whole other story. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, scandalous. Um, he told me that Augustine was asking him what the fuck was going on because he has one of those laughs where like the whole bed would shake. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, the agent. So that was a real compliment that yeah. he told me he was dying. So, yeah, he shopped it around all the big houses. Um, unfortunately, you know how book publishing is these days. Yeah. Um, I'm not on a reality show. I'm not one of those housewives right. yet. Um, so, eventually, he found a smaller publisher, more of an LGBT publisher. Sure. And he sold it. You so, I was very thrilled. Yeah. It was, it was exciting. And I really enjoyed it. I, oh. it's, I read it before it came out. So yes. A little, it's you may have blurred me. I blurred you. It was very exciting for me since um, I stole... Kind of the 212. Did you? I didn't, know if that was a, I didn't know if that was a shout out or it just was. a coincidence. I didn't want no. to presume. No, no, no. I loved it. I All thought right. it was so clever. Well, there you go. And I did read about how you said later how the whole uh, area code thing got fucked up instantaneously. Right after my book was coming out and the, the area codes in LA had just changed, so it wasn't 213 anymore. But it didn't really bother me. I didn't. No. I didn't you know. Well, you know why it bothered me? I was living in Orange County, the dreaded. Oh, yeah. So you at go the to. Time? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're at Rage, and you meet a hot guy, well, back then in 92. Right. And then you exchange numbers, and you got the 714. Yeah. And then they just smile and, like, put it in the trash. Right. Um, So I had moved to L.A. right then, and I was so excited for that 213 number. And I got a 310 number, because I was living on the west side on Bundy. Oh, there you go. So I never got my 213. You never got to be 213. I never got to be kind of the Did you get to be 212? Not only did I get to be it, because I moved there in the 90s when they were still around. So when you could still be 212. Um, and I took it with my cell phone, so I'm kind of a So you got double case. 212s. No, I closed down my okay. home account. Yeah. But I still have that a number from uh, the 90s. From back in the day. From back in the when day. did you first move to New York? What year? 98? Okay. I'd been going there. I'd moved to Washington in 93. Okay. With the real intention of moving to New York. But then I fell in love, and my boyfriend didn't want to move there, so we would just go up there a lot. He From had a, D.C.? Yeah, he had a leather goods business, and all of his clients were up there. So I was like, it would be so much easier if you just lived there, but he had already done it and was over it. So I was kind of going regularly all through the 90s, but I didn't really move there until 98. What do you think about the way New York has changed in the last, I don't know, decade? I... My friend, our mutual friend, Tom Storr, mm-hmm. the last time, I love the High Line, and the last time I interacted with him, I think one of his favorite diners were, was closing, mm. and he was like, the fucking High Liner, you know what I mean? It yeah. was kind of like the High Line, be careful what you wish for, because it's changed everything, at least in that part of town. It definitely has, and my blog has kind of had a resurgence, because 
um, you know, blogs are kind of, I don't want to say dying, but people are getting their news through Facebook and Twitter. Right. So you're kind of having to push everything all over the place. But ultimately, it's all pretty much the same thing, just sort of reconfigured. Right, so how, how people find how it. How they find it. But one of the things I've started writing about is the death of Chelsea as a gaberhood. Right. So that's kind of been a real interesting topic for me. I did a whole post about the death of 8th Avenue, which used to be kind of our yes. Santa Monica Boulevard. Yes, and then the Big I, Cup. The Big Cup, which has uh, been gone 10 years now. Gone. 18th and 8th, Food Bar. Yes. Like all the gay haunts along there are gone. And I did a retrospective post that is like my biggest post of all time where I actually dug up pictures of all the old places because I had taken home movies on 8th Avenue when I was there. So I did like screen get grabs of all these things that I probably thought would be there forever. Yeah. Um, and it has just been shared like thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And I get messages from all sorts of people. Roseanne Cash wrote to me, she lives in the neighborhood, told me how she used to always get um, oatmeal and read her paper at 18th and 8th and how much she misses it. And like, I've heard from all sorts of different people, wow. a lot of gay people. When did you post that? How long I think ago? it was about six months ago, and wow. it's kind of bigger than any other post I've done, even the ones that have been out there and shared. It's the biggest know. post you've ever done. Yeah. Is, is bigger than Thomas Roberts's that whole Naked Butt. Naked Butt, yeah. which is a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but that's how big this has been, because people are really interested in nostalgic. the change. They're nostalgic. They're, so what is there, if not 18th and 8th and Big Cup? And is it just Starbucks and rich people condos? I mean, it just sounds like a cranky complaint but it's drugstores nail salons and chase manhattan banks like yeah every three doors and right. starbucks yeah yeah people say that gay scene has moved to hell's kitchen i'm not a kid anymore going out so that's not really something i'm following up on right but i do know that hell's kitchen is nothing like chelsea was because it's part of the theater district. It just doesn't have that feel of right, a gay right, neighborhood. Right. And, you know, gay neighborhoods are going away, I guess. I as, guess they are. We, we've got our apps. Don't we don't need our places. We've got our apps. We've got our rights. That's right. We don't, uh, I know. We don't need our places. It's so. kind of sad. It's sad. I mean, it's a trade-off, I guess. There, there you go. Time marches on. you got to either get with it or not. Yeah. Um, how often do you blog? Do you have a ritual about it? Or I have to do it X amount of times? Or how does that work? I... Do it Monday through Friday. I One use, post a day? There's usually about 10 posts. But keep okay. in mind, some of them are a little more thought out. Like, I just went to see Susanna Hoffs here in um, L.A. Right. And that was, like, a lengthy, like, 700-word review, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Other ones will be, like, a funny sign with a misspelled word or yeah. a, a punctu- punctuation that's wrong that tickled right. me. Copy editor humor. There you go. Um, so those can be fast, but it's usually about 10 a day. Wow. I definitely try to have my morning wood, which I'm pretty famous yes, for. the hot um, guy. Hot guy, one hot guy. Where do you find them online? Is there one place where you're like... I get a lot of submissions. Oh, that's hot. And I get a lot of, I think, straight people who like to be ogled by gay right. men. Um, and then... But don't put my name on it, and, you know, they, 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 they're very coy about it. Right. Um, but now Tumblr has kind of become like a oh, hotbed. Oh, yeah. It's a hot clearinghouse yeah. of... Of smut. There's one guy, though, whose Tumblr I follow who really has amazing taste in mm. photos of hot guys. Really? They're, they're like, yeah, I, I'll try to figure out what it, what it is. Yeah, you need to send I need that. to say, I can't think of it offhand. But it's like, the, 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 there's lots of cool guys in suits, and then there are naked ones, or yeah. leather ones, or whatever. But he, the pictures are always artful. And it's like, it's not just 
uh, the, you know, a slab of meat. There's something going on there. Yeah, I mean... So you do your morning You like to think there's some style to it, but yes. it sounds like you picked up on his. I, you know, exactly. Um, I do a song of the day because I'm a huge music freak. Right. Um, I still feel like I'm going to be part of a Bananarama reunion at some point. I love it. Ever since Siobhan left for Shakespeare's sister. What's your favorite Bananarama song? I think Venus. Well... I heard a rumor. Their singles, undoubtedly, are yeah. classics. Uh, Cruel Summer as well. Of course. Probably of the lesser famous one, Robert De Niro's Waiting, is yeah. my favorite song of theirs, off their second album. And you, they're they're no longer together. But There's you, two of them, yeah. but it's just not the same. And That's, they're just Rama <laughs> at this point. That's not cool. I um, can fix that, though. I was watching, I think it was your interview with, with James St. James. One of the interviews you talked about what young gays are listening to now and and like i don't know what they're listening to but you know you were talking about all the 80s bands that you loved and right. what i noticed like when when i think of what i don't even know what young gays are listening to no. but it's a lot of women that that come to mind in terms of the divas the the beyonce the that's um, true Beyonce. You know, Miley, Selena Gomez, and like those... It was those pink are, for a while, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think of men. And when you think of the 80s and the the British Invasion and all that stuff, it's a lot of men. It's a lot of you male know, singers. Club. Am yeah. I... Is there... Is it... Maybe young gay guys are listening to men, but I don't know if they are. I can't think of who they would be listening to. I don't know either, but I almost think... Hasn't, like, hip-hop become the standard more pop music that maybe they're listening yeah, to, too. maybe it that's is. Just, that's just what everybody listens right. to. Right, and maybe it's Bieber, and maybe it's whatever. Does he have songs? I, Bieber I has songs. I know he had one yeah. song, like, ten years ago. No, he has some okay. His recent songs are actually kind of good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hopeless. I think I bought the Bangles last album in 88 or 89, and that's pretty much the last new album I bought. <laughs> that really, seriously might be the last new album I, I bought? I mean... I just am not up with anything. That's okay. And then I bought albums that they did as reunion groups. Right, like of Blondie came back with Maria. Um, Who have you seen recently that's like a flashback? You saw the Bengals the other night. Uh, Belinda Carlisle yes. solo um, in New York. Um, I saw Christy Hine at the Beacon. Right. Um, she oh, was I saw Blondie a- at Madison Square Garden with Morrissey. Oh, that must have been amazing. Well, half of it was. Yeah. Because he's such a pain in the ass. He's... he's Insufferable, yeah, right. He it didn't do one hit of the, any song that you knew. He only did the new album, right? Which we all know how it is for these artists. But yes, come on, throw us a bone. Throw, give us the hits. Yeah, give who us was something. it that just told me that Janet really gave you the hits? On yeah, the tour? yeah. Even her new album's really good, but somebody said she did like three new songs and then gave you the hits. I mean, I know. One day Madonna's going to do that, and I will go back. But I, I saw her on Blonde Ambition, and I haven't right. been back. Oh my god, we were in that LA was so tonight. many tours ago. I know, I just don't 90. like... 1990. But I'd also yeah. seen her on The Virgin and Who's That Girl. Yeah. So I feel like I saw her four times when you really wanted to see her. Yeah. And I haven't... I'm, I'm waiting for her to just decide to be a Barbara Streisand and have a piano and just do like oh, all no. the great stuff. Oh no, she has to show oh, off that Pilates body and the yoga moves and the... One she has day. to bring out the guitar. I know. I didn't see Rebel Heart, but I would have seen it. I just... Uh, no one gave you a free ticket? I couldn't really afford it at that point. So, <laughs> well, um, how, how could anyone? I know. It's, it's obnoxious. It, it, you know? And that's the other beauty of liking these bands on their way down. 
Invariably, you can meet them because they'll be standing in the lobby of the place. Probably selling t-shirts. They're signing. I just got a Groupon for Wilson Phillips in Pasadena at a place called the Rose Theater. And I think I could go for 25 bucks, and I think I will. I think you should. I love them. I can't get enough. They played Gay Pride. I came here for it last uh, summer. They played here. Gay Pride is getting, you know, like bigger and bigger names than they used to get. That was super fun. Yeah. Um, Carney came out in horizontal stripes, and there was like an audible gasp in yeah. the audience, but they were great. Speaking of horizontal stripes, <laughs> Oprah's doing Weight Watcher commercials yes. again, and I feel like, what year is this? Are we, is Oprah still battling her weight? I feel like she should just let it rack, let it be what it is, and let us all off the hook. I saw the commercial, she's like... 2016 is going to be the year of your best body, and I'm like, I am exhausted. Oh, is she going to have the little wagon uh, pulled she, out there again? I mean, oh my god! I Everything she. I don't know, Dennis. Um, <laughs> I I thought she was the one who taught us to accept us for who we are and to not. Yeah, there was be something about watching that commercial like that. where I thought I thought we'd moved past this, not just like. Uh, in terms of, you know, as a pop culture moment or as a gimmick or whatever, but also, like, spiritually or emotionally, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe it was a big fat check and, <laughs> you know... Yeah, I know Weight Watchers' stock went... Through the t- roof! Through the roof. And it was tanking, because I think people can do everything on the app now, so they yeah. don't have the meetings like they used to. There's a lot of business stuff yeah going on and maybe there. it's a win-win for everyone involved it just felt like i felt like i've seen i this totally movie felt the before. same way and i really yeah. felt like she was sort of contradicting yeah her don't do that but people are saying it's not about how you look it's yeah about it's about being healthy. healthy but how come when i make fun of fat, fat people i mean point out people having um situations and i say it's for their health it's not okay yeah do you get do you get blowback on oh posts God. What's the meanest shit that anyone's ever uh, written to you? God. And can they com- they can comment right on your yeah. side, right? That's part of the thing. But I, you can kill a comment. If yeah. You don't like it. I actually love when people rip me a new asshole. I I, I find it very amusing. Um, I especially like this review of my book on Amazon that said that I was a decent blogger but a horrible novelist about my memoir. Yeah. That one really um, yeah. put me in my place. Well, um, <laughs> good thing you I, didn't write a novel then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Can you? Can you? Uh, What's it like when you post something and you start to read things? Does your heart rate increase or like? What's it like when you when you're looking at when it comes up and you're reading it? What people are how they're responding? Yeah, good or bad. Um. Is it, is it a bit of a rush? I, like, don't like to look at the comments. I get weird. Yeah, I I think I used to look at them a lot more. Sometimes people don't believe that you cannot look at them, but it sounds yeah. like you agree with me. Like, I've been hearing about this Carrie Fisher's weight thing in Star Wars, and all I could say was the only time I heard anyone talk about it was her talking about it I never saw one review with anyone talking about it. Right. And all I could think was, why would she put herself through that at this stage in her life? That She's obviously responding to some bitchy thing somebody said on Twitter to her right. or something. I really am good at tuning it out. If it's something that I care about, like um, when this congressman from Ohio, who was a Republican, suddenly decided he was for gay marriage because his son had come out to him that night. Right. And all I was, I was like... 
you need to have it be in your fucking immediate family before you can feel compassion. And I wrote right. this thing ripping him a new asshole. And people did have a lot of opinions right. both ways. Like, well, it's better to have him on our side than yeah, not at all. Baby steps. Why are you being this way? And I, I enjoyed that as long as right. the people are yeah, intelligent. It's about about it be about something. Yeah, you know, but if it's just making fun of my big gums or yeah. my forehead or whatever else they can dig up on me. Um. Are you... Uh, your big forehead, you're not Tyra Banks. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Um, you're working on it. Right. I I think it's funny. Yeah. I, I, I think it's cute. I actually found... Um, have you ever heard of Data Lounge? Yes, but I don't know I don't what it exactly is. It's a website it or something. It's some sort of like message board okay. or something. And... It came up the other day that all these crazy things go on on there. Right. I think you have to sign up for it. And so I Googled my name and it, and someone had started this, who would you rather fuck, Kenneth Walsh or Andy Toll? And of course, no one knows who we are, and it like had like yeah. negative one comment. But um, there was like, someone said, I... I do, Kenneth. I like his crooked smile. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't realize I had this crooked smile. Right. Um, but I, it was interesting. You, you learn... It's almost like a caricature of yourself. You yeah. see how other people are um, yeah. responding to you. And I, I got a kick out of it. A friend recommended I do a Google alert on myself. Ooh. And I do... Your name do, is unusual enough. Well, I did it a couple... Of, I've only gotten two since I've done it. And one was a football player who was having a very good season... Are you and one is some other person that just got arrested mm-hmm. in uh, Florida. So the actual, I'm. It hasn't quite panned out. It yet. hasn't. No, no Google alerts on my own self. I have a guy, a journalist with my name. Yeah. Which is why I use my middle initial on my byline because okay. he's Kenneth T. Walsh. Okay. And he's this reporter, White House reporter for U.S. News and World Report. And he's written like a thousand books and won all right. these awards. So all these people from my childhood, they're always like, oh my God, you're so successful. And they're always not talking about me. So right. I always get a kick out of that. Right. But that's why I can't do a Google alert because it would be rubbing it, it in it my face. It would just be all about that dude. And he has KennethWalsh.com so oh, I can't get the domain either. I got that. I got. I at least got mine. Yeah. Before this, I was an early adopter. Adapter. Um, <laughs> do you ever look back at your blog like a diary and think, oh, what was I thinking about in 2008 or 2000? You know, do, do you ever go back? Yeah, I recently um, added this little thing that has like related posts. Yeah. And it, it's not very good, but I will, it'll prompt me to click through and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. And it's, it's especially kind of interesting because I was in a long term relationship. The first ten years, of right? The blog. When you met, when I met you, I think you were. Yeah, yeah. It's, we went to that party with Tom yes. and Michael. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so sometimes I get a little nostalgic because you wrote about it, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have a little. I'll see us at an event or something like that, or like with my family. That's that's kind of sweet. Um, concerts that seem like they were like a year ago, and then you look and it was two thousand seven. Yeah, and you're like, oh wow. Are there anything where you look back and you're like, oh, why did I write that? Why did I post that? Pretty good about not second-guessing myself. I wrote a kind of bitchy uh, thing about, remember when Oprah was turned away at Hermes in Paris or whatever it was? I wrote a very scathing thing about it because I had actually been turned away at the Rite Aid where I would go because milk was like, 30 cents cheaper there and it made a difference to me yeah. than buying it across the street. Right. So I kind of had this whole bitch please kind of um, right. moment. But then it was a little tone deaf and racist-y kind right. of what I wrote looking back. 
that was one thing where I was like, yeah, it didn't really come out what I was really getting at. Right. But I now you mostly men- no. You mentioned Thomas Roberts' butt, and you wrote about that in the book, where you posted pictures uh, that were of him online that were right. sort of like hookup-y pictures, but they were sort of anonymous. Yeah, and I and didn't everything name that, him either. And everything that followed up after that. Right. Um, looking back, what was... Were you... Would you have done anything differently with any of that? Because I know he ended up confronting you. Yeah, and, and which is what I wrote about in the book. Yeah. I, otherwise, there really wouldn't have been anything There wouldn't have been really about. a story. Um, the answer is definitely I wouldn't do anything differently. Right. What I learned and what I tried to impart to him when he confronted me was that there is that thing, and I, I think you know enough about this business, where fun, titillating gossip is fun, until you realize there's actually people on the other end whose lives are affected. Right. And, you know, that you can see that. So it definitely made me more aware of what you're doing, um, that there's an actual human being. Right. Um, now, that, that being said, if you're a public person and you're putting your pictures on the Internet naked and using your celebrity to do that, I still think... It's fair, fair game. game. Yeah. But it definitely was an eye-opener as to... Because I had worked briefly at the New York Post when I right. got laid off. And things came to a head because I was working on this story. This ambassador's daughter, she was 17 years old. She had snuck into all these clubs in the meatpacking district, gone to a party, was taking a selfie out on the balcony, and tumbled to her death out of this high-rise. And I wrote... I had to write the story. So you had to write the actual story from the I had to write the, the actual story. And what they had me do, or... Uh, kind of an assistant, go through her Twitter and Facebook page just to kind of see what was in there. And they had found some, like, white girl privileged-y, racist-y, you know, like, using the word ghetto when she was describing something. And they wanted me to rip her a new asshole, this dead 17-year-old girl, and just, like, you know, this privileged racist bitch tumbled her and... That was the last day I worked there. So even so I... Like, so you were like, I'm not going to do it. No, I, I couldn't. I turned in the story the way I wanted to write it. Right. And they could obviously Change soup it, it up. Not. But I was very and, Along with your resignation. <laughs> well, it was funny because I was a temp. Not a temp, but a I'm freelancer. I'm proud of you. That's good. But they were... They had offered to hire me. And then mysteriously, the offer never came through. Although they claimed it was the budget and right. this and that. But that was literally the last day I worked there. Because they would usually have me come in a few days a week. And I just kind of didn't call them, they didn't call me, and that was the end. Now you, you know, I started out in journalism and magazines and all of that stuff, and then... In the heyday of When it was really happening. But I, now I've sort of transitioned to other things desperately and hit, hit and miss, for sure. Yeah. But you're still in that publishing world. What's the temperature like now in terms of, like, have they kindly, finally figured out how to work with the web? Or are right. people still getting laid off? Is it still... Is everyone still secretly... Uh, you know, waiting for their pink slip? I feel like, for the most part, yes. Luckily, um, the Wall Street Journal was one of the few that charged for web content right. almost from the beginning. And the New York Times was very late. The Grey Lady was The Grey Lady needed to get her shit together. Yeah, she really blew yeah. it. They've done better, but I was laid off in 2010 before they'd gotten their act together. Um, and part of the layoff was... Budgets and they weren't making any money. Yeah, it was all part of. They were borrowing money from Carlos Slim, this billionaire from Mexico, at fourteen percent interest just to make their debt payments. Oh my god! And it was very bad, dire. They made a documentary, Page One, a year at the New York Times, and you saw it all happen. That was 
when I was laid off, when that was filmed. Um, the, I feel like, I mean, it helps to have a multi-billionaire who yeah. owns your paper. Um, so he definitely is keeping it afloat. I don't know what will happen, like, if his, if future generations uh, of his family aren't as big on the paper. Yeah. But it feels like the journal has a pretty good plan in place. Right, because I feel like everyone... Everyone needs a benefactor now. It's not, you yeah. know, like if you're an aspiring musician, well, luckily, your uncle's a millionaire. Like, nobody can just it's do never, it and get paid to do the no. thing. Not even the New York Times. No, and that's really scary because oh, if you don't have man. that, I mean, where will we be with the checks and balances and all the stuff that I know. newspapers do? It's crazy. Somebody blogging isn't really the same thing. Yeah. Because they're stealing the story from the New York Times and then putting their own spin on it and getting all the clicks is what happens. Yeah, now do you follow other blogs? Do you Are you a fan of blogs? I read... You know, I've really scaled back, and I feel like people scale back on me. So it's, I'm showing them. Yeah. Um, I do here and there. Obviously, Andy Toll is still yeah. kind of the main gay blog. Right. Um, I have a friend who writes a music blog that I check out. Um, my friend Matt Redman does boy culture. Oh, yeah. Um, we both kind of help He's out of New out. York, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so I have a handful that I still read. And yeah. then I follow a lot of people so that I can get... Um, you know, a taste of it still and click through if I want to. Now, how does... You have ads on your blog. Yeah. And how does that business model work? Like, you'll get paid per view based on how many people click through the ads? Or how does it work? You know, I've been doing this for over 10 years. And um, the guy who is in charge of my ads has pretty much been the same person for like at least seven or eight. Right. And then he starts using these terms, these yeah. CPMs, yes. and this, and then I just zone out and right. just let him give me whatever he wants. Right. So I could be being robbed blind. Right. Which I'm sure I'm not. Um, I don't really know. Right. I mean, obviously, we all know people clicking. That helps. I do think page views in and of themselves, even if they don't click on it, also factor into it because the more people you have going by it, right. they will have seen it. But I, I'm clueless. I really don't know. But it, it's a nice... When you got laid off, it was nice to have something else that it was, was nice. something. And it's still nice yeah. because um, I kind of have a separate account that I put it in just to right. kind of think of it as my little spending money. For, so it's your fun stuff. It is totally my fun What's stuff. What's the last thing you bought with your fun stuff that you wouldn't have probably bought normally or treated yourself to? Just on New Year's week... I had already seen Sandra Bernhardt's show at yeah. Joe's Pub. She does it every year. I saw it a few years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't have, but I had this big chunk of money yeah. in there, and it was kind of like free money, yes. so we went, um, and it was called Feel the Burn. I know, and she was talking about it on her serious show, Yeah, was the show? It was really great. I'm such a fan. Yeah. I've been a fan for years. I've, you know, ever since Without You, I'm Nothing, yes. I, I died. Um, she and I are, are both from Michigan, right. then moved to Arizona as kids, and then the whole LA, New York thing, so I've always felt, um... She's just way better at uh, doing this than I am. Yeah. Uh, she's. It was good. Yeah. It was really fun. She did this great thing to Hard Rock Candy Christmas. You know yeah, that song? Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Um, but it was through the eyes of Caitlyn Jenner sitting in her hot tub on the top of that cliff in Malibu all by herself on Christmas Eve. Yeah. And it just was this very intricate story oh. that it eventually. I love when went she spins it. yarns about like Stevie Nicks yes. and Caitlyn Jenner. But it was Caitlyn and it was. It was really something else. She was very ill-prepared. Yeah. Um, 
I found it hilarious. She was even having to look at the words to um, just like Jesse James, yeah. and I'm like, I think my mom could sing that off yeah, the top of her head. Exactly. But it was. I, I love, love that, that she song. sang just like Jesse oh, James. I wasn't going to argue no. with her having to look at the words. Um, it feels it like so Caitlyn Jenner has been Caitlyn forever. Isn't that even weird? though like last year at this time. That's kind of what the story was like, yeah. how a year ago I was sitting up here, yeah. and it kind of worked that all in. I still remember the big interview, the Diane Sawyer, and the most shocking thing about it was when he talked about being a Republican, Ugh. and he was like, I mean, look around. <laughs> like, he sort of admitted, I'm a rich person, yeah. I want to keep my money. Yeah. It was the most, like, <laughs> holy shit moment of the whole thing. It was the biggest reveal. Yeah, um, it was the most, I think it was the biggest sort of thing that he let on that he did probably didn't mean to let on. I think we were yeah. all stunned yeah. by that um, and disgusted many of us. It was it was very tone deaf some of the comments she's made since but I also am so disgusted and I've written about this with people who are just protesting her every move and ripping her a new asshole as if she's supposed to denounce. It's like if she doesn't become a a hooker, a tranny hooker on Highland, she doesn't, ha- isn't allowed to have an opinion about anything. Right. That's kind of what they're acting like. Unless, like, unless you live tangerine too. Right. Yeah. I, I actually walked past that donut time. I'm um, telling today. you, I think about that little neighborhood every time I, uh, I think about that movie every time I drive by that neighborhood. Yeah. They made it look so colorful and, and amazing, and it is not. It's not. And I took a picture of it to send to my boyfriend, yeah. and it did seem wrong. Like, it needed to be, like, amped up a few shades. Now, do you have a new boyfriend? I do. You do? Awesome. Yeah. That's good. How long has this been going on? Um, we met in November of 2014. Okay. So it was kind of like... But you're in change? Uh, yeah. Nice. Do yeah, so together? I had... Don't. He has a house in Jersey. Nice. But he lives essentially with me because it's too much schlepping. That's a lot it's of like, schlepping. Yeah. And it, it's a if family house in the city. Um, yeah. that he has out there. So he was living there with his family. Good for you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's been going great. We Did you meet online or did you meet in the real world? He actually followed me on Twitter because he's a tennis freak. Oh, that's cool. And... Then he saw me, like, on an OkCupid or something, and then wrote to me. Because we had sort of an email relationship just about tennis, nothing, you know, untoward. Um, And he was like, you know, I saw you on this dating thing. Did something change? Because he knew I had a boyfriend. Right. Or wondered if maybe I had an open relationship. He just asked. And I told him no. We had broken up, like, eight months ago. And it was on. And then, boom, we went out. And we've been pretty much together ever since that That's day. That's good. Congrats. Yeah. Good yeah, for you. super fun. I love that. Why do you love tennis so much? What is it about the sport? I just think it's so intelligent. It requires so much strategizing. And I like individual sports. I've never... I mean, being a gay kid, you can't be part of a team sport. It's like right. the most traumatizing thing of your life. Right. So I like the idea that people can, can be athletes, but it can be on their own terms. Not have to deal with any assholes. Yeah. It really... And it was really special to me as a kid because, you know, I had all my issues of being picked on or whatever, but I had this PE coach and he would actually take me out of class to go play tennis occasionally. Right. Which in retrospect would be a lot hotter if you were like molesting me, but that's just how disgusting I am. Right. Um, But it was completely because I think he just, he obviously saw something in me, maybe that I was having a hard time fitting in, but he knew this was something that meant something to me. I mean, he was a great, great man to do this. And it really built me up to make, make me feel special. During school hours? Yeah. 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 So he would just be like, can I go play some tennis? Every so often he would come in and the teachers, I guess, fellow teacher 
they just would allow it. That's really cool. It's, it's, it sounds weird, but it really no. Wasn't. It, it just sounds like I'm a teacher. I'm just a sicko being. It sounds like a teacher who had a feeling. He did that. that uh, I just saw Mr. Sam Alex. Harris's show at the Gay and Lesbian Center, which I recommend you go and see if you're in LA. Oh, uh, yeah. Sam Harris show Ham, and um, he had a teacher that could feel like that that reached out to him in a way, and, and they actually spoke about things but but yeah i was in elementary school yeah. but he could still he was like i'm gonna that's amazing yeah so that made a huge impression on yes. me then i started um being like a ball boy at the virginia slims women's tennis tournaments that would come through martina who was and, nice and who was a bitch well you know what happened one time um renee richards oh wow was there. And this had just happened in 77 that right. she had won her lawsuit and played at the u.s open yeah so it was probably like 78 79 in detroit when we still lived there and I had gone to get an autograph. All the There was like a player's area where they would watch matches that were happening. It was yeah. in like Kobo Arena, this indoor arena. I played on carpet during the winter time. And I went in there and it was during a point. And you're not supposed to talk or do anything during a point. So Renee like took me by the hand like I was her son and just said, sit down, sweetie. You know, not during the point. And like kind of, and I just remember being so like, because I knew who she was. Right. There was something about her that she could, you know, I knew I had this secret and I felt so ashamed and it had to do with sex. And I was like, if this person can walk around and have all these people staring at her, I just was fascinated with her. Not that I was trans, but just that no, she but, could but, put it out there. But she could, she could be herself, be herself and be okay. And I, I remember that. So she was very sweet. Um, Billie Jean King was very sweet. And then I ended up running into her in, in an airport recently her family lived her parents lived in um payson or somewhere in arizona oh right on That's, um, we have to talk about arizona yeah oh god i know <laughs> but, uh, it off. <laughs> but no she was yeah. um very cool yeah um started telling her my ball boy stories that yeah. sure she couldn't care less about but she was totally fun when you were, to really appreciate my who's knowledge. your favorite male tennis player um well i was a bjorn borg kid yeah um you know versus connor's or mcenroe um, I love Patrick Grafter into the 90s. Right. He was so gorgeous. And now I'm a Djokovic person after yeah. being a Federer fan. All right. I, just, I really... Who's the sexiest? Um, I think Djokovic's body just does yeah. something for me. I don't think, you know, he's one of those right. face-in-the-pillow kind of things. There you go. he's just really... Now, do you still play? Do you like to play? It's very hard to play in New York. Right. Um... But I have one friend... Because the High Line ruined it. <laughs> no. Ask Tom Store. Yeah. Um, it's very expensive. And unless you're one of those Wall Street billionaires... There's just no there's like just place, place where you can go and play tennis. There are some outdoor courts, but it's very complicated with the city passes. Yes. And having people who... I work weird hours because I work at a paper. Gotcha. Um, so really, I play very occasionally. I go yeah. to a tennis camp upstate every so often. My brother, Bill, and I, who works in, uh, at the Washington Post... We go up there. We'll play nonstop for like three or four days, and then we feel like if you amortize that you, to you a year, for the we'll year. be pretty much like That's amazing. playing maybe once a week. That's cool. Because we literally will play until we're like bleeding both yeah. of our feet. So you lived in Arizona, like I'm from Arizona. Yeah. From what age to what age were you in Arizona? We moved there right before I turned twelve. Okay. So eleven, and then when I graduated from Arizona State in Tempe, right. I moved to go Sun Devils. Like, you even know what that means. I'm a gay... That's where Did I went you to go school. There? Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't go to one football game the whole time I was there. But I went Somebody to said State. something to me. I met someone there like... I went to the Walter Conkright School, School of Journalism, Journalism and Communication. And telecommunication, it was yes. called back then. Yes. Me too. 
I was what? on the local radio show, the KASR. I was I had a, did some DJing. I was at the State Press. Yeah, the State Press. press. I yeah. love the State Press. Yeah. I graduated in '86. Oh, well, we're close. Yeah, '89. Yeah, you were later. So, um, so we probably barely overlapped because I was probably in the under division. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I was still friends with some of them. And I wasn't even actually that into the journalism school. I just did it because I was doing theater and shows and I wanted something quote unquote more practical. I love that journalism was considered more, more practical. practical. I know. What an idiot. Yeah. Not Gosh, that uh, a degree in oral interpretation no. would be getting you very far now. No. Although I did use it. I was a journalist. I mean. You were. That's right. And you did well. Oh. Well, let's start, let's start all over. Okay. So when you were in Arizona growing up, what was your mall? Fiesta Mall. Fiesta Mall lived in and Mesa. Mesa. Yeah. Oh, God. Mesa's yeah. even worse. Mesa it's was kind of this up-and-coming... It was sold as this, you know, oasis. It was just this Mormon, wall-to-wall, Mormony. Yes. How'd you deal with all the Mormons? And I was an atheist. Right. Even as That's a young a boy. Um, I Because I was raised Mormon. Oh. And, and Mesa was too Mesa. much for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It really is. Other than Salt Lake City, I think it's yes. like the biggest community Hot still. They have that huge temple there. Of course. It's very beautiful. I've been in there. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. I just... I got I was... baptized for the dead when I was young. <laughs> oh, God. I know. We were just talking about how they do that with I people. know. And at the time, it was and... it was a little weird, but I just remember we didn't have a McDonald's in our town. And if you went to Tempe, you probably had to go to McDonald's. <laughs> so it was but... worth... You know, but I also just remember the anxiety of, like, what if they don't dunk you the whole way, then it doesn't count. So it's like that thing of, oh, can I hold my nose? Can I breathe? Will I go right. under all the way? Uh, I guess they'll... Apparently somebody's keeping an eye out for my toes, and they won't let it happen. How old do you... Are Probably... You uh, well, not uh, No, yeah. No, you're, you're like 12, 13, 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of like the bar mitzvah of... Yeah, yeah. Being for sure. Mormon. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so bad. We were and when talking. And we went to ASU. Did um, you live in the dorm? I didn't. I didn't either. I yeah. wish I had. I did too. Or I, I wish I'd gone my, away to school. I didn't find my friends like the way I should have until later in college. Um, where was your hangout? Did you go to Devil House? We did go to Devil House. I saw X at the Devil House. In wow. When Devil was House was show. like a big club. You want to hear the weirdest story about Devil House? Yes. I was there one time dancing with some people, and there was a DJ, and they were doing some giveaways. And I don't even remember who I was dancing with. Some friends of a friend, some girl. And the DJ said, okay, we've got a big prize up here if, you, if we can find two people with the same birthday. And I'm like, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. And I said to the girl with me, I'm like, what, when were you born? She goes, September 29th. And I'm like, run. And so we ran up to the booth, and we won. I don't know who that girl was. I never saw her and again. And you don't know what her real birthday was. No, but, but we had our licenses. Really we had the same birthday. That's and it was the only time anyone's ever said, here's a prize if you can find someone with the same <laughs> birthday. The point it's, is, your atheism kind of flies out the window when you look at what happened to me at Devil House. That's the point. That is the point. Are you still an atheist? I'm, I think agnostic is a better word. Yeah. I think we used atheist back then. Um, do you know who Madeline Murray O'Hara is? She no. The, oh, she was the founder of the Atheist Association of America. Okay. And she actually worked with my grandmother, and my brother Bill joined it, and we used to get mailings to our house. And even though my mom wasn't religious, it made her, like, creeped out that we were getting these American Atheist Association newsletters. So it's part of your family dynamic. 
Well, my mom had been an abused Catholic. Right. So she just didn't have any She's use sh- for that. She's super spotlighty. Yeah. She's very spotlighty. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Her, she had ah. gone to like the best parochial school, is that what yeah. called? Um, Catholic schools. Um, but her mother didn't have any money. Her mother was like having an affair with the head priest. Wow. The free tuition. So, nothing but the best for her, girls. <laughs> and then my mom would Here's see this Here's your one chance, Fancy. Don't let me down. It, it was, Shit. It, it really was. Oh. You know, so, I just think my mom was disillusioned. It That's wasn't that lot. she didn't believe in God. Right. It just was horrifying. Yeah. And she also had gotten put in a uh, Catholic Charities USA orphanage as a child by this crazy woman who was doing that. Yeah. So, she just had a lot of issues with it. Yeah. I but, get that. Yeah. I get that. So they, sure. I actually rebelled and tried to go to a couple churches yeah. as a child. Yeah. Um, and still couldn't get molested to save my life. Yeah, I mean, I was like this broken home by myself, just sort of begging for it. You practically had a neon sign. With these short shorts on oh, in the 70s. Oh, the late 80s, 70s. Yeah, early 80s. Uh, um, those were the best. And the knee-high socks. Yeah. Uh, nothing. Arizona was a hotbed of that because it was so fucking was hot there. Hot. Do you still have family there or is everyone gone? No. Um, my... Parents, my sister, who has the niece and nephew, they're all there. So that's so, still a place I go. Yeah, and sweat your face off. Yep. Um, what do you love about it? Because I went to Arizona State. I grew up in northern Arizona, right. and I have a lot of nostalgia for my family and that landscape and certain things about that. But I have very little nostalgia for the Phoenix area, Tempe, mm. Arizona State, those years. I made some good friends, I guess, but I don't... It's not like I go back there and go, ah, oh, these streets. Mill I just, Avenue. The, Mill Avenue. I gotta just... I did see my first X-rated movie there. I have the stories, but it's not... I don't have it in my heart. Well, where did you live if you didn't live in the dorm? In an apartment? I, I shared a house with um, some guys from my hometown who were older than me. Okay. Uh, but I knew who they were. And so it wasn't like being with strangers no. and the whole experience? No. That's the thing. I should have dived in and had and met people in the dorm and you know i was just i think i was afraid of change and i was shy i wasn't shy but i was small town and yeah yeah and, you know my i mom, wanted the safe thing you know everyone from my town wants a safe right you know, it's the little steps and the fact that you had even gone away yeah. was probably a big deal yeah and the big the bigger school than a lot of my peers had chosen and right yeah. i had actually gotten a scholarship to northern arizona state yeah um but i went up there Flat and i was side. like this is just not me yeah like, it just the trees yeah i'm not enough you know i wanted to move to new york when i was yeah. four yeah so as shitty as phoenix was at least it was kind of a city yeah. of sorts yeah um so i didn't really want to yeah. do that what do you when you go there now what do you appreciate about it you know it's kind of like you i really just go and see my family right. and the fact that they've you know how there are all these exurbs now like yeah. the suburbs of suburbs yeah they're all way way out there so i'm not even near they sold yeah. the house i grew up in yeah i never went back to it once they sold it right when i moved to california right so i don't really have any of that either i yeah. just am going for my family yeah and it's just maybe i'm wrong but i feel like the state has gotten crazier and crazier all the kind of crazy laws and stuff are happening there because yeah. i don't know if you remember when evan meekham was governor mm-hmm. but we had this governor in Arizona who was this racist lunatic. He, like, abolished the Martin Luther King holiday because he just couldn't stand the idea of it being a federal holiday. Yeah. And eventually was impeached. And the impeachment was actually led by an openly gay businessman, like, in 86. I can't imagine that happening now, like a Republican getting t- getting taken out by a gay guy in Arizona. That's it's almost like amazing. it's gotten 
worse. Yeah. But maybe I was too young to realize what it was really like. Too young I, to realize what was going on. I don't yeah. know that I was, though. Yeah. I mean, I was pretty savvy yeah. as a kid. And I wasn't a kid kid. I was like a college-age person by then. Yeah. Um, I just feel like it's gone batshit crazy since Obama. It, I, I think a lot of things People changed freaked when out. we got a black president. and People, all a lot of stuff was. freaked out. Yeah. Um, Arizona. What, what, how old were you when you came out? I was 20. 20. All right. And were you still in Arizona? No. Yeah, I was still at ASU. Yeah. I was kind of... I was, I was living... never gay at ASU. It no? was all just under the surface. Oh, uh, yeah. well, that's probably another... I know I should have been, but I, that was right at the beginning of AIDS, so maybe... Well, I was just going to say, off. the reason why I don't totally regret not living away and doing all the things is who knows what would have happened. Right. So I just have to be thankful yeah. for the way it played out. Yeah. But I was 20. I was... Um, I. Pretty much was living with my boyfriend in college. You had a college boyfriend? Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. And it turned out he was like sleeping with everyone and their brother behind my back and it all came to a head. Right. Um, but that's when I ended up telling my mom when he was like, I, I basically came out so that I could have someone to cry on their shoulder and that was not that's exactly the, the way I go about it by telling oh your mom, God. oh, Annie's cheating on me with everyone in the breath. You know, right. I didn't exactly say it in one breath. But I came out and then was home crying 24 hours a day um, oh. over the ho- holiday, so it was not a How was scene. she about it when you told her? She said all the right things. It was kind of like share with chastity. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then deep down really had all these issues because I think she was totally cool with it being someone else's kid. Right. She had a gay best friend at work. They carpooled together. Yeah. Donnie. You know Donnie. Of course. Everyone uh, has Arizona. a Donnie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was something about it being her son. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I get. I get. But... It was. It, it got a little ugly for a while there. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Now I remember um, we were saying in either in your book or one of the interviews that you wanted to move to New York because a family affair. That was a big thing. And I remember watching that show, and I no one. I'd never heard of anyone living in an apartment yes. building, so it didn't make sense to me that they didn't live in a house. Yes, and they just walked outside, and there was an elevator and a hall. It, it, like it was crazy. Yeah, it just seemed so. It, didn't, it still doesn't make sense to me. Anyways, <laughs> I wanted to show that we had that in common. Well, it's so funny yeah. because um, I just had coffee with a friend here, and he lives in L.A. in an apartment. Yeah. And his niece and nephew from uh, Richmond, Virginia, were in town. And the niece, who's like seven, she said, Uncle Matt, you're too old. You should be living in a house. Why do you live in an apartment? And I, and that's exactly what you're saying. Right. It just Kids doesn't don't handle it. it. I love it. You should be, actually. No, okay. So you picked a bunch of questions from the observation deck. Let's let's go through some of these. Okay. Where's the strangest place you've ever been recognized? Well, I picked this one. It's sort of not the right question. I was recognized at a restaurant on Sunset Boulevard, which may not be the strangest, because right. it's pretty gay there. But what happened was, he did the gay gasp when he saw me, and he was at this big table, and I was so flattered, because I was with these friends, and it was yeah. like my big moment to be like famous in front of everybody. And he was like, oh my god, everyone, do you guys read Kevin in the 212? And he called me Kevin. He got and all my friends are laughing at me. <laughs> and I'm just going on with it. Nice to meet you. I'm Kevin. Um, and I was humiliated. What yeah. which should have been like this totally great moment. Should have moment. been a great moment and he fucked it up. He totally ruined it for me. Oh my my mom actually calls me Kevin sometimes. Yeah. So I'm getting used it to happens. it. It yeah. happens. Remember we went to that Tori Spelling book reading together yes. in New York when I was working yes. on a big gay sketch show? That's it was right. like her first of 5,000 books. Yes. I just remember that. Little and did we know there Dean be was like there. a million more Dean. Uh, yeah. He's probably like sleeping with someone like behind yes. the little uh, table. Yeah, 
table where she yeah. was signing them. Dean was kind of hot. Was. He we was got hot. a picture with him. Yeah. All right. Who's the most famous person you've ever been in an elevator with? I was in an elevator Kevin. with Diane Sawyer. Wow. Recently. And you know how they say, you know, the Sybil Shepherd lighting or yeah. Barbara Walters lighting. She just walked around radiating, like even in this elevator where everyone looks like hell. Right. She just had like this glow around her. She was her luminous skin. She was just, I was just dying. She was cool. She was She beautiful. looked amazing. She looked All right. Incredible. Tell us about the first time you saw your first Dirty Magazine. My mother turned 40 in 1981. That's not how I thought this story would start. <laughs> and I remember she'd gotten all these presents, and one of them was this gag gift of a playgirl. Right. Okay. And of course... It's so gag. It's so funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. So she had just thrown it in this pile of magazines. It was like McCall's and Ladies Home right. Journal, and it was underneath her TV in her bedroom, and I just happened to be putting something away in there, and I would just like go to town and yeah. it. And then years what later... What do you remember? What do you remember about it? What were the guys like? They all, and this has stayed with me, they all had mustaches. Right. It was 81. Right. It was like the Tom Selleck era. Yes. Hairy chest. Nice. And they weren't overly beefy. They right. were just kind of, I guess, not a dad bod, but a, like a normal... Like a lean, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a handsome, yeah. just athletic guy. And still my type. I yeah. think it just sears into your brain it's when right you there. see it right there. Right then. I think there's something to that because yeah. I still love a guy in dolphin shorts. I can't help it. <laughs> Parachute pants? Fuck yes. Burn. Angel flights, disco slacks? Yes. <laughs> Shiny shirts? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, did your mother ever know you were looking at the Playgirl? If she found out, it's because she read my book, which yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I think she just flipped for her name and it would have been probably in there. Yeah. But I, pretty much she's disowned the book and that's a sort of sore subject, yeah. Really? Yeah, my brother Bill has written three books, and she got these little pedestal things where she has them hanging in her living room. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my brother, my son, Bill, he's so great, he's so famous. What are his books about? He, they're about editing. Yeah. He's a big shot editor at the Washington Post. Right. Um, then mine was coming out, and she was t- so excited and telling all of her friends, yeah. and I think she thought it was going to be more fun because it was more personal, not about right. editing. Yeah. Then it came out, and she was portrayed as who she is. Yeah. It's like in this junk drawer in um, the spare bedroom, like shoved in the back. Wow. And I think she told all of her uh, neighbors and friends that it had gotten canceled. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. How, okay, because I remember reading it and she comes off as a kind of a larger than life yeah. character. She's great. Yeah. Nobody loves her more than I do. Yeah. And it's one of those things, you probably had... Things written, like a yeah. magazine article written about you or something, maybe. Maybe at some point. At some, I don't know. Um, the Daily Beast did a thing about, kindly did a yeah. thing about me in my book. But you're 40-something years old, and they pick these three things to highlight. Yeah. And it, I was kind of like, ow, oh, oh. You know, I didn't like yeah. it either. Right. So imagine having, like, three bad moments in your life where you kind of, like, freaked out. Yeah. At a fast food restaurant being the only thing written about you in a book. Right. I, you know, I wouldn't, I can see why she doesn't like it. Yeah. But it's certainly not meant to be malicious. It's, it's to point out how fucking hilarious she is. Yeah. How great she is. Um, what rookie mistakes did you make on your first jobs? My first job was at the Orange County Register. Right. And when I got here, I did not want to come live in the suburbs. I wanted to live in the middle of LA. Yeah. So Take me to the center of it all. Madonna allegedly Thank you. said when she went to New York. Only I really did probably have $30 in my bank yeah. account at any given moment. Yeah. Um, 
So I would, I had to work weekends because it's a newspaper and I was the lone yeah. man on the totem pole. And one night I had gone to probe and stayed out all night. Probe's like where the circuit boys went before there were circuit parties. Right. This was like yeah. drugs yeah. and all this shit going on. Yeah. And um, I had to go to work the next day and I showed up like in the same outfit, like in shorts and, you know, a mess. Right. And my boss said to me, I realize this may be a pit stop between your social engagements, <laughs> but I would really appreciate it if you would try to at least put on the appearance that you care about this job. That was really bad. Oh my yeah, God. That makes me laugh. Was, I love that. All right. Pits. I love pit stop. It was bad. Um, what movie have you seen more than any other? I definitely desperately seeking Susan. Yeah. I just had this connection. I wanted to move to New York my whole life. Um, the Annie halls, the Manhattans. Right. But then that one came out when I was like at the age where I could almost do it in real life. Yeah. And it was the whole new wave scene. So I, i I know every line and I'm just obsessed with every frame. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Do you ever, um, dry your armpit hair on a hand dryer <laughs> in a, in a, in a men's room just as a shout out? Uh, well, now there are those turbo ones oh, and you, you know, you yeah. can really do some damage, but I have, I even got yeah. to meet Susan Seidelman, the well, director awesome. yeah. and, uh, we had fun talk and Good. She, she appreciated my fandom. It seemed like that's cool. What's your best random celebrity sighting? Oh God. Why did I pick this one? Oh, I know. I was walking in Midtown in 1998, and I just run from my office to pick up something at the drugstore. And as I was walking back, Nipsey Russell was standing on 7th Avenue. That's amazing. And I was so excited. My, my face lit up, and I just said, hey, Nipsey. And he just gave me this big smile. Like, you're, you know, he was so happy, and he, he said hi to me. And then I think he and died, he died. <laughs> very shortly after. So I re- <laughs> Because, yeah, so he really did. He died right after that. Yeah, it's know. so weird. There were all these people that we all know just from game shows. But yeah. they probably had big acting careers or Broadway careers. Or he was a poet laureate. Like, we don't really know yeah. what he did. But he was on but Match Game. And, yeah, and for sure. Yeah. J.P. Morgan, before she yeah. was on The Gong Show. I'm sure, I'm she, sure was... she did something. Brett Summers must have mm. done something. Uh, who were your that. teen crushes? Um, Bjorn Borg and John Schneider. From okay. Dukes of Hazard were two big ones. And they're yeah. both blonde, which yeah. is not my thing at all. Right. Um, but those are two that I remember very specifically. And then uh, Willie Ames. He was and, one of my favorites. And he, Grant Goody, we were yes. just talking about. You know, you could go either way. I was Willie Ames. Willie and Ames. I, he had that van, and I'm sure he fucked people in that oh, van. Oh, so hot. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's like curly. four foot eleven and like some Jesus freak. Yeah, like, well, back then. Okay. He, was, he had that Tommy Radford hair. Yeah. And the abs. It's a lot. It was cute. What's the most embarrassing CD you have in your collection? Um, it's funny how I picked all these, and then I'm like yeah, blindsided by them. I know. Exactly. Like, well, <laughs> why are you sound, asking me this? It sounds more fresh. It doesn't sound like we <laughs> pre-planned it. It sounds spontaneous. Oh, my God. I have this... Well, now I kind of ruin it by using her name. I have yeah. a Sybil Shepherd album from yeah. when she really thought she could sing. Was it Vanilla? Vanilla. It's fucking amazing. She my friend clunker notes. Oh, my friend Judy and I used to howl vanilla. and listen to Vanilla. Thank you. A foggy day in London town. <laughs> like, she is on this jazz tape. Vanilla. It, we couldn't it, believe it. Uh, who allowed that to, to happen? happen? What I is going that. on? Yeah. 
Oh, I love it. And then she would do, like, A Foggy Day in London Town. She would end with this weird blue note. Like, it was so nuts. I <laughs> got vanilla. Give me the scoop. And uh, I can't believe it. Yeah. I uh, gotta go you're ruining this for me. You, you, so I'm happy to know that. I oh, think it was common it denominators was, of gay people. Yeah, we have we have a lot weird. of overlap. Shit, I, we my friends were obsessed with that. We couldn't believe it happened. No, um, it felt like a one taker. Yeah, she's jazzy. So she's she just, can do it. She's just being off the cuff, and <laughs> it's really oh great. God. That's so funny. She sang a foggy day in London town. Yeah, about vanilla, vanilla. She's got all these flavors, but she wants vanilla. <laughs> it's so weird. Do yourself a flavor and dig that dig shit that out. One out of the you won't, uh, you won't be CD. able to believe it. You, no. you still have it, though. I CD. have it. Yeah, I feel that's... like I might have had a cassette of it. Oh, okay. It I have all the my CDs. I've never. You have it all still. Just, you got them. Just a dust nightmare. But there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I think we are going to wrap it up soon. Um, people can find you at Kenneth and the 212 blog. Are you on Twitter as well? I'm right. Kenneth212. On... Do you like to tweet? I do. Yeah. I crack myself up. I always think this is the I tweet really gotten into it. that is going to make me famous. This right. is the one. Yeah. And then I'll get like zero. I'll get one like. Yeah. And zero retweets. The other day I was on Twitter and I looked at the number of followers I have and I was like, oh, seriously. Like, that, it's so pathetic. It's so <laughs> pathetic. I don't care that much about it. No. I think if I had a book out or something, yeah. I would be more more into it. But I'm not that into it. Instagram's the one that I'm not as big yeah, on. Yeah, you can take or leave it. Yeah. yeah I do Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Well, you gotta pick your really you gotta pick your battles. Do That's your thing. Funny. What has blogging brought to your life? It's really given me um, an opportunity to meet people that I never would have. Um... I really have made a lot of friends through it, believe it or not. I've had... I believe it. I one think that makes sense. Yeah. I've had one or two things go awry, um, but by and large, if I really look at it... I mean, if I really think about it, I, I, I guess my current boyfriend, I wouldn't have even met. Yeah. Because that so was an extension of it. Um, I've what met, went awry? Oh. <laughs> not, not another... That's another... Day yeah. I, I don't even want to dignify uh, yeah. that with a response. Okay. Um, you get just you know how it is. They're just crazy people out there. I got you. Um, okay, but yeah, I've met some celebrities through yeah. it, and I've met a lot of people that relate pe- to you. People have who have similar of... experiences. Yeah. I've had those. If I could help one person by sharing this, it was worth it. Moments where it really was cool, like you yeah. know, situations that you've had that have been distressing. Nice. Um, so yeah, I think it's. All the connections I've made. And, of course, the swag and getting invited to things. Yeah. It's totally great, too. Does that still happen? Yeah. A little bit? Good. In the 90s, man, the swag was uh, off the hook. Well. You know. Yeah, a lot of stuff you don't even want anymore. Yeah. Because you're, my apartment's filled. It's a New right. York apartment. You know, all these free books that I would have killed for yeah. in the 90s. Now I'm, like, taking them straight out. I actually had Jackie Collins' hardcover last book sent to me. And I had set it out on the sidewalk. And then she died, like... You killed Jackie Collins and, <laughs> and Nipsey, Nipsey Russell. Russell. And right. on that note... And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Check out his blog, pick up his book, Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful, and follow him on Twitter. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Kenneth Walsh. Check out his blog, Kenneth and the 212, and his book, Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful. All right, so this happened earlier today. I'm recording this on a Saturday. 
Earlier today, I took part in a music video to a Janet Jackson song. That's right, I was a dancer in it. Uh, my favorite hip-hop class, Groove 3, um, they put together this cool video shoot where if you went to class during the week, you learned your combination, and then you went to the uh, beatbox, which is the headquarters of Groove 3, and they had this whole video shoot set up, and you danced with your group, and you did your little section, and then they had it up in sections. It was very well organized. And so I uh, got to live out my dream of being a Janet Jackson video dancer. I did have some stressors. Um, we were told to wear, bla wear black, and I wore black, but I had um, an Adidas logo on my pants. And, of course, logos are a problem when you're shooting videos and stuff. So I tried markering it out. I tried masking tape. In other words, I don't feel like I was fully into my performance because I was having logo anxiety. I'm sure Casper Smart deals with this whenever he works with J-Lo. Um, it's the kind of things that you have to think about when you're a professional video dancer. But um, it was a ton of fun, and it was very well organized, and when it's up and running, I guess it, it'll be shareable. I don't know what else we're doing it for, if not to post it all over the place. So I will keep you posted on that. But the point is, dreams do come true. So I hear. Anyway, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye!